This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Before we get into the interview, I want to announce, if you don't know already, that Coffee Stains is now available for pre-order. On episode 99, I read the very first chapter of Coffee Stains, so if you would like to know a little bit more about the novel, head on over to episode 99 and you can listen to the full first chapter there. The pre-order is on Amazon, Kobo, and Bards and Noble. Pre-ordering helps me a little bit because it tells the algorithm that people are interested. If you're interested in coming of age stories, stories about strong female characters who have to make really difficult decisions, I think that Coffee Stains might be for you. Please share it with whoever you think might be interested. I'm very excited about this novel coming out. It's my third novel. It took a lot of work. The idea of the novel came to me 14 years ago. So it has been bubbling under the surface and has been edited and rewritten several times. And I'm really proud of the novel and I think that you guys are really going to like it. So links are in the show notes as well. Come celebrate with me by pre-ordering it or sending it to somebody who you know will enjoy it. Now, onto the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. Today is episode 104 and it is October 25th. October 25th. I am 24 years old, 40. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. I am one day into my fifth decade. Maybe that makes more sense. Yeah, I'm a writer, but I'm not always the best speaker. I turned 40 yesterday, guys. It is so exciting. Um, I'm actually really excited to be 40. I think that it it is already a fun, fun year. I'm having fun already. And I am excited for this fifth decade. I have some plans. First plan being relax. (laughs) The next plan being learn to be organized. And my husband's probably laughing right now as he listens to that. But I have some plans for the fifth decade. Now, in other news, I turned 40 yesterday, but I also published my third novel. Yay! Yes, I know. (laughs) I have to clap for myself. And it's funny because, you know, I remember being 20, walking down the streets of Northern Ireland, Coleraine, actually, and looking at a bookstore and saying, you know, my my books are going to be there someday. Of course, I would I couldn't understand that like bookstores would look more like a landing page on Amazon, but you know, that's not my fault. I couldn't see that, (laughs) but I'm excited. It only took me 20 years to get three books out, which is fine. Actually, I've learned a lot along the way. I think it is exciting to have three out there now. I don't know. Can I say the word excited more? I'm excited. I am proud of myself. It took a lot more to get coffee stains out than I first thought it would because it was a rough draft that sat in my drawer, quote unquote, sat on my desktop for years. I think you all know this. And I'm really proud of how it came out. It took a lot of work, but you know what? Everything nice and good 
in this world, make some work, right? So go out and get coffee stains. The ebook is out. The print, by the time you listen to this episode, it will probably be out. There was a little bit of a glitch on the cover. Not a glitch. It just took longer than I thought it would. <laughs> so, so go out and order coffee stains. It's a contemporary women's fiction, a coming of age novel, a learning who you are and what space you should be in and learning how to make the decisions that are right for you kind of novel. Thank you to Angie, who did the final proofreading on it. She is awesome. She's in the creative writing community, and she is just a machine at proofreading. She is so good at it, and I really, really appreciate her. Now, not only do I have coffee stains out, but I actually have the novella Aurora's Dilemma out. This novella is the prelude to Stepping Across the Desert, my historical fiction, which if you guys don't know, got a recovering this summer. So if you haven't seen the new cover, head on over to Amazon and check out Stepping Across the Desert. It's a beautiful, beautiful cover. And so Aurora's Dilemma tells the story of Rowena's maid Aurora, why she made the decision to be an accomplice in kidnapping Rowena and sending her off into slavery. This novella might not have been necessary to write, but it was really fun to write. And full disclosure, it's really good marketing to have free novellas out there. (laughs) So I, being a writer who doesn't do series, it's sometimes difficult to, for me to figure out like, what should the novella be about? And quite frankly, I thought about this for years and it just sort of came to me this year. The girls in the creative writing community helped me brainstorm through it. And I said, okay, I'm going to write this story from the point of view of the maid. Why does she do this? And I'm going to keep it short. It's going to be a novella. So I did. And it actually didn't take as long as I thought it would take. And I had some really great people beta read it and find all the little things. Thanks again, Angie. (laughs) And the ladies in my group, Lorraine and Maddie, you guys are awesome. You found the little things that needed to be found. And it got out there and I'm really excited about it. So you can find that. It is free, completely free. You can find it on my website, in my shop. You can find it in my newsletter if you are a subscriber. And I, by the time you listen to this, it will be up on Amazon as well as a free novella. It is always going to be free. It is also on Kobo and Barnes and Noble. Sorry. So share it with other people. If, you know, it's a great way to see if they like my writing style, if they're going to want to read Stepping Across the Desert. And, you know, Christmas is coming up. So you can send them the free novella, say, did you like that? Like, are you interested in that book? Hint, hint. And then you can get the book for them for a stocking stuffer. What a great idea. (laughs) So you can get lots of reading done while I'm in Nepal, because I'm going to Nepal next week and really has nothing to do with writing, except that I'm sure that I will be writing and journaling while I'm there. But I'm going with an organization called We International, and we are climbing up Mount Everest. It's been a two-year sort of trek to get here in the first place, but it is a great way to talk to people about what We International does, which is rescue women from sex trafficking. 
So when people ask us, why are we going to Mount Everest? We say, hey, we are working with an organization that helps rescue women from sex trafficking. They rescued dozens of women during COVID in Uganda and so many that they are building a bigger house and we get to be part of that. All the fundraising that we do is going to help build this house where the girls stay, where they get an education, where they get medical care, where they get psychological care. They get all this aftercare that that is necessary after what they've been through. So I am so excited to be a small part of that. And in Nepal, we will be um, meeting with other organizations that help girls in Nepal either prevent them from being sex trafficked or rescue them from being sex trafficked. Um, Unfortunately, they estimate about 54 girls a day are taken out of Nepal and put into sex slavery. And we want to bring that number down to zero if possible. So I don't know if we'll be able to meet any of the girls, but we will be working, talking with other organizations on how we can collaborate further with them, what we can do. And we just get to be you know, part of the voice for these girls. And for me, that's really important. It's really important to every year see if I can help out somewhere in this world. Before COVID happened, I worked with a couple churches over in Paris every year, and that was really eye-opening and wonderful doing whatever work the missionaries or the people who are working with marginalized people over there needed done, whether it was cleaning toilets or cleaning out storage situations, I guess, storage places, putting together back to school gear, putting together food boxes, whatever it was, whatever we could do to help them who are in it every day. As a woman who is safe in a safe neighborhood, in a beautiful house with beautiful children who are being educated and are safe and fed every day, I am super blessed. I recognize that and I find it important for myself to give back. So this is what I get to do this year. And I'm really excited to go. So if you are a praying person, I covet your prayers as we're over there. And if you want to follow the journey while we're there, follow me on Instagram at catcaldwell.author. I will be putting up lots of posts while I'm there whenever I have (laughs) Wi-Fi. So today I have a great guest for you. Her name is Britt Malka. She is a writer and she also is someone who puts out resources for writers. Britt Malka says that she thinks of herself as full-time writer and part-time blood elf, which I, I just find so cute. Oh, so she started writing while she was working full-time, which is something we talk about. She's been in the game for a long time. She has a great website called Writer by Choice that has tons of courses, tons of resources for writers. She has been in the game for a long time. I think I've been following her for like eight years. Her newsletters are wonderful. They're always packed with resources and lots of things to think about or implement in my writing or in my business. So I'm excited to introduce her to you guys. I think that you're really going to enjoy what she has to say as always. The links are in the show notes. So go check her out, Brit Malka and Writer by Choice. You can find her books on Amazon, of course. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. Today, I have with me Brit 
Malka. I'm excited to talk to her. I've been a newsletter subscriber of hers for years, I think, at this point. Hello, Britt. How are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm excited to talk to you. You always have like the greatest newsletters. A, they're not too long, <laughs> which <laughs> I love. I actually read them. <laughs> Some people have like Oh, you can scroll forever. Um, and you have tons of advice for writers and you're an author yourself. So could you tell people like a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into asking you more questions? <laughs> sure. Well, first of all, I always wanted to be a writer. <laughs> I since so far back I could remember. I got a little plastic typewriter as a child. But then uh, like Many other people, when it came to I grew up, I came up with one excuse after another to not become a writer. I needed a bit of typewriter, I needed a computer, I needed more money, etc. But one day back in 1994, thereabout, I decided that now I had to start. Hmm. So I asked my boss if I could get Fridays off and go 20% down in salary. Wow. And he's, he said yes, because I did. I had two small children. I was uh, a lone uh, sole mother. I was a lonely mother. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have time to write. I was too tired in the evening after getting back and fetching the kids and stuff. So I took Fridays off and dedicated that to learning how to write and to write. That's interesting. Some people just go right into the writing thinking they know. So it's yeah. interesting that you... <laughs> Uh, I kind of thought I knew too. Uh, I did some things. I have always written stories, except for a period of my life when I went to uh, high school and uh, I felt that they almost killed your fantasy. You had to analyze <laughs> stories and it was all very literary. So that killed my imagination for a while. So I had to get back into it and I had to sort of relearn it, uh, which I did. And I got a one evening uh, after a party, I got an idea for a short story. And all the way back home in the car, I wasn't driving. I worked in my head on that short story. So I had it fully formed. And the following Friday, I wrote it. And I sent it to Danish radio. I lived in Denmark back then. And they returned it and said it was a good story, but it was not for them. But they recommended uh, one of the biggest uh, magazines in Denmark. Wow. I sent it to them and they took it and I made a happy dance. <laughs> wow, your first story got published? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, that was also the only story for several years because I believed you had to have this great idea to be a writer. So, but um, meanwhile, I started to write nonfiction and still kept this dream about becoming a fiction writer. I wrote another short story, but then again, I ran out of ideas. And uh, it wasn't until 2013, a lot of years later, that I found a mentor who kept pushing me and said, you can write. And she gave me some uh, pages to follow. And, uh, and she kept asking me through Skype, have you written? Uh, how far are you in your story? And I felt bad about not really progressing a lot because I still thought I can't do this. It's impossible. Yeah. And I don't know how to fill all those spots in. I mean, I could get an idea, but how do we go from A to B and to C, etc.? I, I felt I lacked all this. But she insisted and said, you can do this. So I got my first book written and she made a cover for it. She was so nice. And I didn't even think all of a sudden I'd publish it. 
And I think that was great because I hear from a lot of people that they are afraid to publish, they're afraid yeah. of people's reactions, they're afraid that people will like it or not like it and read it or not read it and all those fears that we run around with. And uh, I didn't have time to think about it, I just published it. <laughs> but after that, I really wanted to help others because I've struggled so many years with this point. And I knew I could write a short story, but write a novella or a novel, it seemed impossible. And I wanted to help people reach that. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, I think it's interesting that a mentor really pushed you. I think that's sometimes what we miss a lot of times because we have, almost all of us have some sort of fear, like we can't finish it. I don't know how many times I have an idea. And I think Neil Gaiman says like, that's an idea. That's great, but that's not a story yet. Exactly, <laughs> like yeah. I know, I can't figure out the ending. Like I know this frustration of going from one point to another and like, okay, I love this character, but what are they doing? That's interesting. Yes. And like, sometimes we just sit in our offices or our small corner, just by ourselves. We need to get out of ourselves and get somebody like talking or pushing us. And like our brains could get there. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> we, just to, we just need somebody to push us. Yes. And I think it helps to have somebody believing you saying, you yeah. can do this. Because a lot of time, especially at the beginning, you don't believe in yourself. You don't think you can do this. So if somebody tells you, you have to prove them right because they're nice people. So yes. I think that helps. <laughs> That's for sure. Did you write that story in English or in Danish? In English, yes. In English. Wow. Yes. Okay. So you write in your third language? Yeah. Oh yes. my gosh. I'm bored Danish now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's so funny how languages can do that to you. Yes. So how did you um did you always write in English? Or did was the first story no, in Danish? Uh while I lived in Denmark, I, I okay. wrote and um, read in Danish. Yes. So it was after we moved to France in 2000. Then I read in Danish and French to begin with. And then Kindle came, which meant easy access to books of all mm -hmm. kinds in English. And then from then on, I've only been reading and writing in English. In English. So, yeah. Do you find it's a little bit different the way that books are written um, between Europe and America and Canada? Do you think, or like English versus the European languages? Uh, no, because... Uh, I've always written in that way. Uh, okay. I, I wrote a lot of books for what was originally called IDG books in Denmark, uh, nonfiction books about how to use the computer or programs mm -hmm. and stuff. And I always wrote it in you. You do this. Yeah. You click here, etc. So, but other books in Danish are not written that way. So that that's a bit different. I think. Yeah. Uh, Articles, uh, newspaper articles are more different from what I know, but I don't write those. So let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep the, leave the journalist. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a specific genre that you have settled on and that you like doing? What was the genre of the first book that you wrote? <laughs> well, before I wrote the first book, I met uh, Lee Dobbins, which you okay. might know, uh, Leon Dobbs is her pen name. And uh, we were in a group together, and uh, she told us that she wrote cozy, um, cozy mysteries. And I said, "Oh wow, uh, does that work? I mean, to make any money with it? Because I've always heard from Denmark that you almost cannot make money with fiction, not back then, in right. Denmark, not before Kindle. 
So she said, yeah, I make a comfortable living. So I said, okay, I want to write courses. I had no idea <laughs> about them. But then uh, I met this mentor who had a course about writing romance. So I started on this romance novel, and all of a sudden, somebody got murdered in the book, and it took place in the old American West. So what's genre? Um, romance, cozy, Western, total mess. <laughs> Isn't that funny how sometimes you'll start out on a genre and then your characters will do something that you're like, that's not, that's yeah, not what you're supposed to do. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, but it's a good idea. Yeah. I'm glad that there are now, and I think with Kindle has helped, like there are several subcategories of genres. So, you know, when something shows up, you can continue with your story. You don't have to follow yes, the tropes exactly. of a different genre. Yeah. <laughs> So Cozy Mystery is what you do as a fiction author then? Yes. I'm, I wrote a lot of romance uh, under different pen names, uh, but then I came back to Cozy Mystery because that's that, that's a book I prefer to read myself. I don't okay. read romance, so it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that it is important to read kind of what you write so that you know you know what the reader is expecting. <laughs> Sometimes yes. we try to, I mean, it's not bad to try something else, but maybe no. read a few before. <laughs> so. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> so you you came out with books during the pandemic. Did you write them during the pandemic or did you? So this one that's published, let me see, I'm pulling up your, your books. <laughs> the, the mystery book, the mystery book club, cozy mystery series, um, the hope to die. Uh, what was the one it's there's one uh, oh yes scissors yeah. that one sounds really great I can't wait to, to read that one yes, it's like um, she's looking for her favorite scissors and they find them in the chest of somebody <laughs> like that sounds awesome <laughs> yes I, I started with uh, and hope to die uh, it was part of an exercise actually for a course I took and um, and the final exercise was to uh, along the course, we had to come up with teams, and I came up with two potential teams for cozy mysteries. Okay, and then I chose one of them. And the final exercise was to write a short story. And we had three days, and uh, one of the days I couldn't write, so I wrote very, very fast there. Oh my god! <laughs> and I finished it. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so it's a bit shorter than the other one. So. With the scissors cross, I had all the time in the world, which also meant that it took a lot, lot longer. So, yeah, isn't that funny how we can yeah. sort of? Oh, I have time, so I'll just. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, we uh, don't prioritize as much. No, you have to set up a deadline for yourself. But I don't know. Uh, I have to come up with an idea for uh, how I will stick to that deadline too, because I know it's not a real deadline. Uh, can just push it a bit so it's not the same as when yeah. you have a real deadline it's like making uh you know setting your clock five minutes ahead when yeah. you have the analog yeah. you're like i know it's five minutes ahead. So exactly you end up like 10 minutes late yeah. you... <laughs> but yes i wrote it during the pandemic because i've been a full-time writer since uh well since we left denmark uh, okay. i wasn't a writer to begin with but started full-time in 2001 so so the pandemic didn't work wise, it didn't make any difference from right. Me yes, you already have your routine. Do you yes. wake up in the morning to write? Do you have like a, a set routine that you do? Uh, no, not a set routine, but uh, I don't know why, but ever since we moved to this apartment here in 2013, 
2012. I wake up in really early. I used to be able to sleep at 10 or 11, even longer, and go to bed very late. But from one day to the next, I start to wake up early. So I'm often up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and uh, then I do check email stuff. Then I have a routine from 8 o'clock, then I write emails. At 9 o'clock, I create a product, a course of a kind, or write an ebook, And uh, then after that, I can write fiction, or I can write nonfiction books. Whatever I'm pleased to do, learn wow. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's a good, I like that routine. It's not 4.30 in the morning, so that's I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, I'm always afraid of asking people. Uh, I, just, I just asked Jay Thorne a few weeks ago, and he said 4.30, and I was like, I, I, I don't wow. know if I can do that. <laughs> no. I think also Dan Brown gets up at 4 or 5 o'clock every morning to write Wow. <laughs> yeah, that that's some stamina. I, I think I would fall asleep. My body just couldn't no. do it, you know. So I'd have to like go for a jog or something, which every morning when I think I'm gonna do that, I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> not today. Tomorrow. <laughs> not today. Tomorrow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what's interesting too, like you were saying, you wanted to help people, writers figure out this writing thing and figure out what to do as a, as a writer. Cause we're a business, right? A writer is a small business. Yes. And you seem to have a lot of experience. Like just going back and reading your bio, you seem to know computers really well, <laughs> <laughs> much better than me. And it seems like you were, you understood like emails probably before a lot of writers were doing it. So what, how did you start with this you know, go from idea of helping writers to writing these nonfiction books to help writers. And what was that journey like? I worked together with another person. Uh, we wrote courses for people who wanted to make money online and also for nonfiction writers because that was a topic we both knew a lot about. But um, then suddenly he came out with a book about writing for fiction writers. And I said, wow, do you know how to do that? Yes, yes, don't, don't worry, trust me. And uh, we created a couple of others, but all of a sudden, he disappeared. And then I was stuck with a lot of writers. But by then, I had written uh, several fiction stories and published them. So I said, okay, I need to do this now. Yeah. So I had to do it. And then I wrote the first book, and uh, people loved it. So <laughs> I said, okay, I can do this. But I don't think I would have done it yet if I hadn't been forced to do it. So Right. Isn't because that funny want, how that happens? Yeah. And being forced meant that I had to right, figure out some things and be clear about some things. And uh, So so what, what was the first book that you came out with? It was more like a course or like an... In yeah, it was more like... Uh, it was as an e-book, I think. I don't even remember the name right now. I have all my courses on writerbychoice.com. Okay. So, but uh, I don't remember which name it was. No, not right now. That's okay. So. <laughs> That's okay. You have you have so many, and they're uh, they're all focused on writers. Like, there's you have one called Fifty Email Marketing Tips for Small Businesses, and you're also like the emails for writers. You talk a lot about. So, why is it that you think writers need to have like a newsletter and email that goes out? Why Why do you <laughs> think that's important? Well, first time I heard about how important that is, is from uh, Lee Dobbins again, who had a list. And when she came out with a, with a new book, 
she would sell exactly as many copies of this book as she had subscribers to her list. I'm sure some of them came from outside, but still, it's a good if number. If you have 1,000 subscribers on your list, then you have the possibility to get 1,000 sales of your book the day it launches. Right. So that's very important. So Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, that inspires already. 1,000. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I think the typical book, because we publish so many throughout the year, I think like the average sells 200. So already if you're going at, at 1,000, you're, you're doing much better than most, yeah. right? five times better. So do you think it's different for fiction writers versus nonfiction writers? Is the system or the process the same or is it different? It's different because with nonfiction, let's say you write about how to use computers, for example, then you okay. can you can regularly post tips to your list. I say once a week or so you can post small computer ticks, link to videos you've made or other stuff related to that topic. Whereas with fiction, you don't have a fixed topic like this and it's other things you have to send out. You can... Uh, Talk about your characters, or let's say you're writing about, I don't know, Amish romance, for instance. You can talk about the Amish. You can talk about uh, how they live, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but it's it's different from nonfiction. Right. Uh, do you recommend to people, like, how often they put out the newsletter? Sometimes I get newsletters three times a week from people. I wonder if that, like, <laughs> is that is there is there too much? Like, are there too many times that you can send it out and maybe be detrimental or and too few? Like, as an author, if you're sending to your list, I think once per week will be fine. Okay. Um, when I'm writing to my list uh, writers and people who want to make money online, I normally email every day. But it's a different audience. Sure. And I know that writers, no, sorry, readers, they hate to be bothered too much. Uh, so, and plus, I think it may be difficult to come up with topics every day if you're a fiction writer or nonfiction writer and want okay. to contact your readers. But you shouldn't, you should at least email tw uh, once every two weeks, I think, because otherwise there's a danger that people will forget you. And suddenly yeah. when they see an email from you, they're like, who is that? I'm going to <laughs> click on the spam button right away. So, yeah, that's that's not great, is it? <laughs> no. So maybe like once every two weeks at least. And I think readers want to know more about like your books and your characters. So like, that's interesting that you, you focus your list on the specific readers. So, if, mm -hmm. you know, you keep your help for authors list separate from your readers. Yes, exactly. Very okay. separate, yes. Okay. Actually, they... I'm going to make a new account. I have one account uh, right now for all my autoresponders. I'm going to make a new one because I've used another one last and not really worked on it. Uh, so I'm going to make a new one now and just rebuild my list for my books on Amazon and elsewhere. Okay. So, so do you consult fiction writers on how to start that process of building a list? Like, do you have any tips on, let's say you don't have anybody, but I guess you approach your mom first of all. <laughs> your mom would be on my list. Um, do you, how do you start with that? Do you just go out on social media? I don't know. 
No, I would. Uh, I have done in the past also for my pen names. I've offered a free short story or very short story for a sign up simply. So people get that free story when they sign mm-hmm. up, and uh, most of them stay on the list. So yeah, it, you, so you have several pen names. Do you keep those lists separate? Yes, I kept them all separate. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because some of them are very different, so I don't want to mix them up. So yeah, yeah. So I I was listening that there's also there's a problem with like the algorithm on Amazon. So if you have separate pen names or just separate genres under the same pen name, they can like the algorithm can get messed up if you're selling cozy mystery versus thriller and like it doesn't know how to recommend uh, things. So that I was thinking like that was a good reason to separate, but the reader's expecting something different is yes, probably exactly. the better <laughs> reason to separate those lists. Like, so talking to the readers, how long then does it take you to write all these newsletters? How many newsletters are you writing a week? Right now, uh, for my list, I write, I, I have cut it down. So I'm writing seven, seven, seven sometimes a bit more. <laughs> but <laughs> that's because I've cut down because I used to send one to each list, which are four. Because I had for fiction writers, nonfiction, low content publishers, and people who want to make money online. So I posted to all four six days a week. So, but it became a bit much. Plus, some of them overlap. They are on more than one list. So I got four emails, some of them, per day. <laughs> so I think, okay. So now I send three days at a time to each list. So now it's seven emails per list to them, plus all the mails. Oh my goodness. Okay. No, it doesn't take that long because okay. I started writing newsletters back in 2002 or something like that. So I got trained uh, to begin with. It took me four hours so, to write a letter, but now I can do it sometimes 10 minutes. It depends on the topic and the angle, etc. So, so how do you come up with the topics? I feel like sometimes fiction writers especially overcomplicate things we think we have to either tell everybody everything or we just like I don't know what to write (laughs) which is weird because we're writers (laughs) well uh, sometimes I write about if I'm recommended a product for instance you know or if it's a book I want to then I write about that at other times I tell a personal story. I have my dog who is really crazy she's talking (laughs) so I've also got stories about her to tell, or things that happen, things in the news. That's mostly what I do, I think. I think what I really enjoy about your newsletter, I'm on, especially your writer by choice newsletter, is like, you're not afraid to be exactly who you are. Like, I, I feel like I know a little bit about grit whenever I'm reading through the newsletter. And I think that's a very difficult thing to balance. You know, you, and in fact, the the weird thing is you don't overtell a lot about your life. You just, but there's something very genuine and original about the newsletter. Is that something that, is that how you've always written or is that something that you've learned over the years? Yeah, I think I've always written like that. Yeah. I was originally inspired by another uh, newspaper, news, newsletter writer who always started with a bit of story about what was going on in his life. And I like that. So I adopted that uh, way of writing. So I've done that since the first newsletters 20 years ago almost. <laughs> so 
And, and I wanted to make it short because that's not the main point of the letter. So I always kept it short. So I think that came naturally. You cannot go in depth with your back pain or things like that. I don't want to share that, which I don't have anymore, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I want I prefer to share good news. So mm-hmm. I want to share happy stories most of the time. So. Yeah, I love how you, you weave in the product or the book or the you know, whatever it is, you manage to to bridge between the story that you're telling and um, <laughs> your tip or whatever it is. It's just, it's really well done. And I was thinking last night, I wonder if these days we're so overwhelmed by social media and like the over-personal, you know, like oversharing part. Mm-hmm. And then we don't know how to balance the like, just share, a, I don't know, calm down and share a small story and then yeah. tell the readers what you have going <laughs> like on. You know? like yeah. we're, I don't know. Sometimes I feel panicked and I only write two a week. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's not Is that for your books? The so readers? I, I, yeah, so I do readers. Yeah. And um, a couple months ago, t- somebody told me to split up my email list. I might've been reading one of yours and then somebody else told me verbally and I was like, that's, but, you know, that's two people. I need to do this. So I have the the readers and then I have writers. So mm. it's like, yeah. So it's funny because you at first I could convince myself that writers are readers, you know, and then I was like, well, OK, but <laughs> yeah, there's a difference, right? There's a difference. Writers are readers, but readers are not necessarily writers. And uh, I think it's another mindset. As a writer myself, I love to get tips from other writers, for instance. But that's not something a reader would appreciate normally. Mm. So why, why should I care? She has struggled with her book for three months. That doesn't mean a thing to me. I just want to read. So yes. it's a different audience, I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, And at first, when I started writing newsletters, because you know everyone said you had to, I think it was like, 2013 2014 like how many times can I tell them I can't think of what I'm go where I'm going (laughs) you know it soon became like oh the you know finding a poetry or a limerick or something entertaining for them because Mm. I didn't want to admit that the story was taking me longer than I (laughs) okay where did I take it okay what's (laughs) the book's still not done Um, when you go over to your writer by choice website you have a lot of courses I guess for fiction writing which is really awesome can you tell us a little bit about these like you have a show don't tell drills which I have and they're pretty awesome Um, yes (laughs) finish your novel in 30 days which is I mean this this one of like write a story this I I lost it now. Man, I'm scrolling down. See, this is how long. <laughs> wow. Can you tell people a little bit about what they're gonna get out of the courses that you write? Yes. First of all, uh, several of them. How to write a fish out of the water romance, for example, and my latest, uh, cozy by numbers. They are made for people who are struggling to write their first book, just like mm. I was. So it's very fixed. It's uh, inspiration for what you put into the first scene, the second scene, the third scene, etc. First coming up with the idea and all that. So it's very structured. And once you've learned that structure, you don't need to 
use that anymore. But mm. also because it happened to me at least when I had written the first book, I knew I could do it. The second book was a lot easier to write because now I knew I could do it. So that knowledge in itself is really liberating. So that's what I want to give with those kind of books. Others, like you mentioned, the short on tail drills, which is probably my preferred <laughs> course. It's a training a skill. Okay. And it's not as if you have to use show all the time, because you also want to tell, but it teaches, it drills into people how they show, and uh, they will notice every time they write, she looked out the window, she what? <laughs> that's telling, that's not showing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another kind of course. And I love it because I have seen people make huge progress, really, from not having any grasp about how to show and uh, until it's, it's uh, I forgot. It's six weeks long? I forgot. <laughs> yeah. And the final week, it's it's a completely different writer. It's so wonderful to see. So Yeah, I think those are important, like different drills. And the show-don't-tell drills are important because people talk a lot about showing and not telling. Yeah. But half the time, it's one of those things that you're like, but what is it? <laughs> you know, like, exactly. when am I doing it? And so as you're, as you're going through the drill, you're like, you're sort of like through, I don't know if osmosis is the right, but you're really making your brain understand what is the difference between showing and telling and when it's appropriate, you know, to tell and the majority of the time show. <laughs> it's like, yes, but it's one of those concepts that people talk about. And as a beginning writer, I remember being frustrated of like, I don't understand the difference. She's yeah. looking out the window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's showing. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I remember an editor telling me way long ago, and I it devastated me. Where she's just like, "You're like over telling the reader what's going on." Because I was like, "Well, it's like a movie in my head, you know. Like, so I need, I want the reader to see everything about what's going on and how I see it." She said, which. You know, this whole conversation was her devastated me. But the the best thing that she told me was, "You're not allowing any room for the reader's imagination mm -hmm. to to grow and for the reader to visualize it. Like, you have to let go of wanting to control how the reader experiences your book." And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Yes. <laughs> and then she had no advice on how to do that. <laughs> She's just <laughs> like, "Here, don't do that. You need to do let the reader." see it and they're like okay yeah. how <laughs> so that's why I really love these drills like and when you don't have an idea for a book I think doing writing sprints and drills like that helps mm, exactly. your brain find something yes when I started out as a writer except from the first book which I was more or less pushed through I started by coming up with an outline first the major points and then I met another writing teacher and she really detailed outlined everything, even down to the scenes. So I started doing the same. But after a while, I thought it was too stifling. It was really, mm. I couldn't do it. So, so I stopped doing it. And then I stopped. Now I'm writing into the dark. Uh, I come up with an idea for, or I already know the character, depending on if it's a series or not. And then I simply put her in a setting and start writing. And yeah. oftentimes I go, 
what's happening next, but uh, just write the next sentence and it will come. And like you say, if you describe the settings seen from the person's point of view, then things will appear out of the blue. And that's really like magic sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you can even you can see what they're seeing. See, there's uh, some dried flowers hanging on the wall from her mother's wedding and stuff like that. And it's, all of a sudden you have a, quite a history and a story in your head. So it comes out like that. It's really magical, I think. Yes, so. that, that's the best part about writing. But I think what you said before is important too, is if you're a new writer, going through like certain courses or having kind of a template to help you figure out the rules, quote unquote, of writing can later on allow you to write in the dark, as you say, without feeling mm-hmm. overwhelmed or getting yourself stuck. Yes, like, because you already know the structure by heart by then. If you start by stru- following a structure, then it gets into your brain somehow and it comes out through the subconscious later when you're more uh, experienced with writing. Yeah. So, and I think that's a piece of advice uh, I didn't use myself. Uh, all the years I wanted to be a writer, I read a lot about writing. I, followed courses about writing but I didn't write and you have to do both you have to keep studying the craft and you also have to write because some of the things will only make sense when you start writing for example the show don't tell that was one of the first things I learned back in Denmark already I think was one one of the only things they knew about there Uh, that was show don't tell and but it wasn't until I started writing that it started to make sense exactly yeah I think because before self-publishing, before it became easy for us to get our stories out. And there's like this, this good and bad, right? So before when you got an agent or an editor, because your story was that good, the editor would be asking questions or, or scribbling out things or whatever. And maybe they, maybe they knew how to explain it, or maybe they didn't, but that was the push for the writer to get better. Like, okay, he doesn't understand this or she, or, you know, how do I figure that out? How do I make them understand? And so they're getting like their own mentor. And now that we can just publish whatever we want on Amazon, yeah. we, we have this bad thing of like, I don't need a mentor, but I, throughout the years, I've really come to realize how much we need to study the craft of writing and that it changes per genre. And that having somebody push us, like you've said, is like, it's, pretty great like you can move your writing from good to a lot better let's say yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say excellent but I'll say a lot better <laughs> a lot better yeah let's try for a lot better uh, there's also sadly a danger about mentors um, mm. if it if they are mentors who hasn't written and published themselves mm, they tend to be jealous point. and uh, they can hurt a lot with their criticism I have several times been blocked myself for six months or more, even though I felt that the, the editor or mentor I had at one point wasn't right about her criticism. It hurt anyway, and uh, I couldn't write for yeah, that's a good six point. months or so. So you have to be really careful. You can work together with another person who's already a writer because there won't necessarily at least be that jealousy between you. Yes, yeah. that's interesting. Oh, I like that. And I like how you um, you found writers who were willing to give advice, you know, and to, to help. Like, I feel like before 
it was harder to find writers right before the internet mm-hmm. really became a thing like what back when we had forums that was fun <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but I remember a friend of mine she's a photographer saying like photographers never wanted to share their secrets and their skills because of this sort of jealousy thing right um, oh. so I like it that I don't know if it was like that before with writers um whether it was my inability to find writers (laughs) in the internet early days, or if we've just come to realize we can help each other out without hurting our careers. Yes, actually, and uh, you don't lose anything by helping others. On the contrary, sometimes things become clear when you talk with others about it or write about it. But I think before the internet or before the internet got big, it was a lonely job to be a writer. At least I remember sitting alone at home on Fridays writing. And uh, I had a friend um, who would call me, won't you come over to a cup of coffee? I said, no, I'm writing. Um, you can always write. And it was a struggle to get to write. I was once in a writing group. Uh, we went once a week uh, to learn more about fiction. But we all sat individually in class and no one spoke with each other. So it was very lonely. I think now with Groups on Facebook and forums and private groups, uh, we talk a lot more. I think that's good. Yes, yes. I think mentally it's much better for us to do yeah. that. Exactly. For sure. Um, and for these courses, is it mostly something that you've gone through that you wanted to teach other people? Is that how you got the idea for them? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I don't go into things like marketing of books, which I know only very little about. I follow the advice that says, write the next books instead. <laughs> so uh, I have sometimes used, I've used Facebook ads a very little and Amazon ads, but uh, I don't do a lot of it. So I'm not going to teach a course anytime soon about that, at least. Maybe one day. Yes, maybe one day. Uh, yeah. I, but I love this idea of taking what you've learned and putting it into a course or a book, because I think that's another way to to help other writers you also have a blog do you think having a blog is important for for -hmm. writers is it just for fun or do you like (laughs) well to be honest i've been lazing about that blog for a while i have to get back into it so for the fiction blog or i have readmelka.com that's both for my non-fiction books on amazon and Kobo, etc., and my fiction books. And um, for a while, I didn't publish anything new. So that blog, recent has I haven't written for ages there. I wrote on my pen names blogs instead. Um, spent my energy there, and on the writer by choice blog. But for a while, I haven't written there. Well, I should again. Is it important? No, I think a list is more important. Okay. Even even if I don't have big readers list, when I have sent an email to my writers list about a new book on Amazon, they went to buy it and they left the reviews and stuff. So I think the list is the most important. Of course, you can use your blog to attract people to your list too. Mm. You can either find them through your books or through your articles on your blog. But uh, we all can have limited energy, and I think the most important is to write books rather than blogs or being on social media, etc. Right, right. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's all we can do, right? Is that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the newsletter, I always tell people it's, I don't know who first told me 
this, but I think it's true. Like your newsletter is the only thing you really own and it's your direct communication. Like as close, as close as calling these people up, you know, yes, as possible. Uh, Whereas social media, who knows, who knows who sees it. We saw the other day when Instagram, Facebook and WhatsApp were down, there were people whining about their ads not running. And uh, I didn't, I didn't notice until somebody told me it was down I had sent out my mail, so <laughs> yes. Well, did matter to me. Yes, it didn't. It doesn't hurt you, right? No. So I am going to put the links in the show notes. You have writer by choice and Britmalka.com. Um, and I'll put all the links there. But thank you so much, Britt, for coming and sharing your wisdom with us <laughs> as writers. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the mastermind, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.